This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle app. It's hour number two of the Hot Stove Report. We are joined once again by Jesse Smith, the Mariners' Senior Director of Analytics, and Joel Furman, Mariners' Director of Analytics, Aaron Goldsmith, and Gary Hill. Now, I'm really interested to talk about a name that we've heard, but we haven't had a chance to dive into very much, and that is the acquisition of Chris Flexen. Yeah, yeah, fun guy to talk about. Um, Yeah, so Chris Flexen... For those that that don't know, was with the Mets organization two years ago, and then moved over to Korea to play in the KBO, uh, and has put up a fantastic season there. Um, and now will be joining us for next season. If we kind of look at what he did in the Mets organization, I think he had some interesting traits even before the move to Korea. I uh, was pitching in kind of a swingman type role starting a little bit, but primarily pitching in relief and kind of averaging maybe two innings per start or, or per outing rather. And he was sitting around 93 miles an hour with the fastball and and doing some good things with a nice changeup and uh, commanded his slider really well. And I think one of the things that stood out to us in his move to to the KBO was outside of just the surface level performance that he was putting up, which was pretty great was just that he moved to what is now sort of a bona fide starter role in the KBO where he's pitching now six, seven innings per start. And that velocity kind of held constant at, at say 93 miles an hour and the rest of the weapons held constant as well. And I think while that doesn't hit you in the face as a huge improvement, if you think about the expectation that when relievers move to a starting role, we would typically expect their weapons to get a lot lighter since they're carrying a, a heavier workload. If you can actually maintain what you were doing as a reliever, but over six innings at a time, now you, you have something markedly different as a whole. So I think that was one of the things that really caught our eye. And then we were able to get our hands on some some data from the KBO and kind of dig into individual pitch characteristics and I think on top of hanging on to the velocity, he added a really interesting curveball that we'd seen some of with the Mets, but not to the degree that we saw in the KBO. And we saw him continue to to command the slider really well uh, and show a really good changeup. So I think just the chance to to add a, a legitimate starter to your rotation with weapons that you know you you typically find in a reliever is is we're really excited about. We're joined by Jesse Smith and Joel Furman of the Mariners Analytics Department. Uh, let's stick with uh, pitching for a moment, guys. I'm curious your thoughts on Yusei Kikuchi from year one to year two. The surface level numbers indicate that his seasons were roughly identical, an ERA much higher than you would have wanted to see from him. Uh, but we saw, man, we saw a huge uptick in just the stuff last year, year two. And the underlying numbers, the numbers under the hood, also indicate that maybe there was just kind of a case of some generic bad luck for Yusei. What has your department seen from Yusei year one versus last year and year two? Yeah, (laughs) another kind of bingo card item. I'm going to take a a pitcher with an ERA over five and tell you how good he was last year. It's a very, um, you know, (laughs) baseball analytics thing to do. But I, I was very intrigued with I think we all were with what we saw with Kikuchi this year, despite the, you know, the run prevention struggles. A few things 
that sort of stood out to us. I think you mentioned just the the pure stuff really coming to life. I mean, this is a completely different set of of weapons from from you say than we've ever seen. Uh, you know, consistently throwing the ball over ninety five miles an hour with the fastball and throwing this thing that we can't really decide if it's a cutter or a slider. It's, you know, coming in at 91 to 93 miles an hour with, with some glove side movement and then a a good breaking ball as well. As far as the performance, I think particularly when you're looking into individual seasons of performance and, and particularly this year where our season was a third of what it usually is. I think while run prevention can kind of go, any way it wants. Uh, your your ERA type metrics can can be very volatile from year to year. I think the things that are really uh, what we'll call as analysts like stable from year to year, they're usually pretty predictive uh, from one year to the next are things like strikeouts and walks are, are kind of your two. There are other things as well, but I think those are the two things that kind of make up the identity of a, of a pitcher in really stable terms. And, you know, we saw you say strikeout rate really climb with that new stuff. Um, and to go on the other side of the the spectrum there, I think one of the things that really bounces around from year to year and, and we can really attribute to a lot of luck is just the kind of timing that events happen in. And so if you let up six hits over the course of a game and they all happen in a row, that's going to lead to a lot of runs. But if they're scattered over six innings, you might pitch a shutout. And while that may seem like a very sustainable skill at the time, I think the data will tell us that the people that are good at doing that one year are not good at it the next and vice versa. And and that was an area that you say actually on a per, per batter basis last year was pretty good and just the bad outcomes kind of clustered in a way that was unfavorable. And um, I think we're looking forward to another shot at things with this, this new version of him. Jesse, who else are you keeping your eye on as we head into 2021? I think our roster right now is, is really fun. Maybe not fun in the likely to win 110 games fun, but in the sort of what it could become, there's a lot of interesting players that have at least the possibility of really stepping up into stardom of, of one form or another, but I think, and I think a lot of those are well-known, but one that I, that I think also I am particularly interested in is another part of the San Diego hall is uh, Luis Terenz. I think the the narrative with him is, I think it's really interesting when you, when you dig in, which is that I imagine most fans had really never heard of Luis, of Luis Terenz or never thought too much of him, but he didn't come out of nowhere. He's had a really strange development path. What the Yankees signed him as uh, as an amateur player when he was really young for one point three million dollars out of Venezuela, and that's a really high number that you're not handing out to to just anyone. He was a real prospect from a young age, uh, and the Yankees have a great track record of identifying those guys. And then San Diego comes along and you know, used the rule five draft in a way that is probably not how it was intended to be used exactly. But they thought that this player was special enough that they were willing to put him on their roster for a year, knowing that he was not major league ready so that they could acquire the player because they thought he could be special. And the downside of it, and, and Jerry's really educated me on this, is just doing something like that might make sense for a team to acquire an asset, but it might also really harm a player's development track. Instead of 
going to age appropriate competition and progressing Terenz was thrust into a really difficult situation with sparse playing time. And there's an argument to be made that that would really set back a really young prospect in, in, in developing. And then so that uh, in 2018, he goes back to the you know, he goes back to the minors and has a, has an interesting season, you know, maybe a little disappointing from his prospect pedigree. And then in 19, he was really good in the minors, like really, really good. And not just that offensively, but his defense improved a ton too. And sort of our boots on the ground. Also, we're saying that, you know, the makeup is really strong and that, you know, the leadership, there was potential leadership there. And, and it's not as though the Padres were just discarding like, you know, the France and the trends and trade. They just had a team that was trying to win now and they were willing to like jettison interesting players for, for sure thing type players. And I think we were really able to take advantage of that. And uh, I think Terence did a lot to impress our staff uh, when he showed up and uh, you know, we're just, we're really excited to to see exactly where he goes. Cause he's still, you know what he was, he was playing 2020 at age 24. So there's, there's still a lot of progression there. If you just want to say maybe remove a year in terms of like the reps he's had for someone his age, uh, there might even be more untapped upside. We have a few minutes left with Joel Furman and Jesse Smith of the Mariners analytics department. Guys, I'm curious uh, for you to explain to us something that I don't think maybe any of our listeners know about, and that is the brand new semi camera system. If I'm saying that correctly, the uh, semi camera system that's been installed at T-Mobile park. Uh, This is obviously a a huge investment on the Mariners front. Uh, Joel, can you tell us what this is and what information you guys will be able to gather from it? Yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting. Uh, this is a system that can do something that we haven't been able to do in the past, which is actually track the movements of the player's body. So I think historically the things we have been able to track outside of the actual results is more the movement of the ball, like what the ball is doing on any given pitch. And that gives us a lot of information through TrackMan and, and other data sources. But what Simi provides is actually what, the players are doing and and particularly what that can tell you about a pitcher, I think is really exciting from a few different perspectives. I think one, we have a lot of really talented pitching minds like Trent Blank comes to mind and, and Pete Woodworth and, and Max Wiener who know a lot about how the body moves. And if you can actually track how the body moves in a way that you can quantify the things that they can do in order to enhance performance with that information and, and prevent injury and keep guys healthy and things like that from a pure player development standpoint. I think that provides a lot of value. I think the other piece is that for a long time, we've never understood. It's been hard to understand why pitchers are as good as they are, even if you know how the ball is moving, even if you know what the ball is doing on any given pitch, there are some pitchers that are just able to be a little bit better or a little bit worse than, than what their pitches do. And we suspect that that has something to do with how the body moves around the pitch, what's happening, you know, with, are they hiding the ball? Are they uh, moving in a way that's difficult for the hitter to see? And I think collecting data on the actual pitcher is kind of our next step in, into learning more about that. So um, those are the two areas that I, I'm most excited about. I'll, uh, I'll tack on, which is that uh, totally agree with everything Joel said. It is a huge investment. I think maybe one way to think about it is oftentimes people will ask us, you know, what's the next frontier in analytics and uh, where's it going? And 
The semi camera technology is probably one of those things. It's an area where like a, an institution like driveline is focusing on where they're the, the, the camera is accurate enough that it can pick up these key markers on players in the video and just really streamline this process for you. So you're getting high quality video that's already, you know, uh, sort of cut up to focus on areas that are identified as of interest. So for example, with pitching mechanics, you know, we want to know where the shoulders are. We want to know where the elbows are. We want to know where the hips are and have coordinates tracking those things over time. Joel mentioned there's, we have a lot of pitching minds that already know a ton about that stuff and they know what to look for, but there's a lot that they aren't able to quantify beyond sort of directional understanding of importance. So we might be able to, one, we're going to provide them a lot better information, high quality information on our pitchers. Things like if someone gets out of whack, it'll be really easy for us to, to look at that. But also we might be able to unlock interesting research things. Like Joel mentioned, we don't really know why pitchers are deceptive, but we might be able to look at mark, key markers in their delivery and associate that with what is deceptive and what's not deceptive. That sounds terrifying, like it's going to take forever to figure out if it's there, but just a, a treasure trove of, of new data in a way that we haven't, haven't been able to explore too much to this point. So is it basically a biomechanics camera system? Yeah. Anytime we're playing a game in, <laughs> we, we can't give you the short answer. Anytime we're playing a game in T-Mobile, that thing is going to be running and not just for pitchers. You know, I think we focus on pitchers because uh, injury prevention is such a huge deal, but for batters too, equally, or, you know, perhaps equally as important, still important, a lot to be learned. A lot we don't understand about, uh, you know, how we generate force and what leads to injury and, uh, how we can optimize certain players. Yeah, I mean, look at this. I mean, the name that comes to mind is is Seager, right? I mean, like, look at Seager before and after and the changes he was able to make to his body and those changes then imparting themselves on his swing. I would imagine that I mean, that in and of itself would be uh, something that you could take away. I, I, I think Mitch Hanniger would, like, want the keys to the – to the closet where you guys have this data. Like this yeah, is, we're this expecting is a call from him any minute. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, it's one of those, it's, it's one of those interesting things where there's so much about uh, a pitching delivery or a batting stance that is, is individualized. You know, what works for one player just simply is not going to work for another player based on how they move and, and how they're built. But there are probably a lot of general truths that we don't fully understand and, we're not the first team that's, you know, diving in with uh, re the really expensive equipment on us, but we're one of the first teams. So uh, it should be exciting. Do the cameras cover just the field? Will they be covering the broadcast booth as well? So like if Aaron makes a bad call, uh, we can look at the data and see what, you know, exactly what happened there, that sort of thing. I'm hoping that's... that's there are some things are incalculable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There is a hair evaluation component <laughs> to Simi that I think Aaron's going to get a huge kick out of. I just don't. I just don't want people to know everything that I eat over the course of a game. That would be <laughs> that would be scarier. I want that is not for public consumption. Hey, uh, real quick before we say goodbye, I want each of you guys to pick your favorite child because people. I think it doesn't surprise people to know this, but. They might not think of it offhand. You guys are so invested in this on a day-in, day-out, inning-by-inning basis that 
there are players that you have helped bring to the Mariners, right? That you guys have been the ones to raise your hand and say, I believe in fill in the blank. And then you are watching him play in front of you. I mean, you have huge impacts on player decisions with the Seattle Mariners. So with that as a lead in, I want to know your favorite Mariners player, like active Mariners player right now. Wow. That's a tough one. Joel. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I think we were all deprived of watching Logan Gilbert pitch in, in real baseball games this year. And I'm really looking forward to, to that in the upcoming year. So I'll, I'll pick Logan Gilbert. Um, this is someone who, when we drafted Gilbert, I think he did a lot of things that we were really, really interested in, had a really good breaking ball, really unique fastball properties. And I think one of the things that has really stood out to us since then is just his acumen and hunger to, to get better at every component of pitching and something that I have just really admired about him, uh, particularly learning about, you know, where to where the most strategic places to, to throw his pitches are and just really latching onto that concept, perhaps more than any, you know, pitcher we have in the organization, uh, latching onto how to improve the shapes of his pitches and being really deliberate about that. Um, you know, even without pitching in competitive games this year, just at the alternate site, we're seeing him do things with his changeup that he's never done before, do things with his slider that he's never done before just the rate at which he's been able to improve uh, this early on in his development. I'm just really excited to see where that goes for him. He's fascinating to speak with. That's that seems like a very good answer. Jesse, who's your favorite child? I've always been most enamored with the the everyday position players that, that get it done on both sides of the, both sides of the ball. So it's a really close race between Kyle and JP, I think. With uh, obviously with Ty France coming up fast on their rear, but uh, I think I I go with JP. His whole career is just really interesting to me. I know it's 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 a young career at the major league level, but I love the way his I love his approach to hitting. I think he's a, a student of the craft that I think can you know could really become a master. Incredible at decision making, knowing when to swing. Just love his tactical approach. And then defensively, I mean, we all saw it last year. You know, he's he's a monster at, at short and. That was just so awesome to see, uh, and I just think it's really you know something really aesthetic about that kind of that kind of uh, of a fielder. And then he just really tickles me from like a prospect evaluation because I mean this guy was like consensus top ten prospect for years from a really young age, and then kind of it just didn't develop as quickly as 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 people wanted it to. And uh, you know the Phillies got a little impatient, so it's just really cool to watch him uh, start to put it together for us. A little lesson in game theory for you there, Aaron. I couldn't decide between Gilbert and Crawford, but I knew Jesse was going to touch on Crawford. So <laughs> I gave you some Gilbert uh, Gilbert content. Very very wise. Wise beyond your years as uh, merely a director. Outgaming the senior director, if I might say. <laughs> very nicely done. Guys, it is always a pleasure talking with you two. Uh, you are so gracious with your time. I was thinking about this earlier in the offseason. I'm not sure that there's another organization in baseball that has the transparency that the Mariners have from Jerry on down, right? And to be able to be so open to share so much of your research and knowledge with us and the fans, the people, the public, it, it's a 
it's a great, great service that you guys do by spending time and educating all of us. So thank you for that. Thank you for your time today. And we can't wait to talk even more with you uh, as the season progresses. So thank you so much. Thank you, Gary and Aaron. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. That is Joel Furman, Director of Analytics, and Jesse Smith, Senior Director of Analytics for your Seattle Mariners. When we come back, we've got plenty more hot stove. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Welcome back. The Hot Stove Report continues. Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill. And, man, we are pumped. We're very excited to be joined by a guy that I remember when he was introduced as a second-round draft pick by the Mariners out of high school in Minnesota in 2017. He has been through it all ever since. Sam Carlson is kind enough to join us from his home in, of all places, Savage, Minnesota. Sam, it is wonderful to see you. How are you? I'm good, man. I appreciate you and Gary having me, by the way. So I'm excited to be here and uh, – Look forward to diving into some things. Well, we're, we're excited because you are kind of like like the Yeti of Mariners prospects. You came into the organization with a certain level of hype, this soft or this second round draft pick with this great changeup and a guy who was expected to and still is certainly, but at the time especially to be a bright part of the Mariners' future. Uh, injury strikes, and now you have been just rehabbing like an animal. Uh, you came to the Mariners as a high schooler and based on all the photos on social media, you're a monster. (laughs) I mean, you are a legitimate grown man. You threw three innings, Sam, in Arizona rookie ball the year you were drafted in 2017. And nobody would have ever thought that those would be the last three innings you would throw on a competitive mound for years. Take us through what has happened to you from those three innings in 2017 to, to present day. Um, so, I mean, take me back to my first year in pro ball. Um, I threw three innings and I ended up hurting my, um, my strain, my UCL and my flexor. Um, so that was, that was like the first time I've ever had like, a, I guess a serious throwing injury. So, um, that, uh, that was kind of, that was an awakening, but I had no idea what I was really in store for. Um, I started the rehab then, um, and it, it, it really just never got better, man. I never got to a place where I could com- like compete to my like full capabilities. Um, and it was like, that's my job as a professional baseball player. Like I'm, I have to be able to compete like at a high level and I couldn't get to that high level without extreme amounts of pain and just putting myself in just terrible positions. So after about a year, I ended up having Tommy John surgery. Um, and then I went through that and that's, it's always changing, but 12 to 16 months is what they kind of say, um, is the rehab for that. Had that in July of 2018. And in about July of 2019, I was kind of getting to that 12 month mark. Um, and I was just, I was struggling to get over that last hump. Um, there's a mental aspect aspect to it and a physical one. And that last hump was what really got me. I, I really wanted to get into the like get into some games in the end of the season. But at the same time, like, um, I knew, I knew I wasn't ready. The medical staff knew I wasn't ready. And the last thing we wanted to do was, um, push the gas at the wrong time and end up making something way worse than it had to be. So that kind of coasted in, coasted into the off season. And then come last year, which was supposed to be my first year back, we, 
obviously have found ourselves in the middle of a pandemic. So um, it just kind of continued the snowball of everything, but I was able to play a little bit last year um, through a little bit in North Carolina with some guys with the Mariners and then played in the fall league this past um, or the developmental league is what they call it this past fall. Um, so that was good, man. It was, it, I was just stoked to get back to the mound. It'd been over three years since I'd like face guys in a game. And even though that's not a technical MILB game, like, I mean, I was, I was juiced up and I, we were playing on the backfields for uh, in Arizona in October. We saw the videos of you, your first pitches back on the mound. I mean, can you describe what that was like taking the mound after all that time and everything you went through to get back on the mound? I was just really happy, man. Like it was, it was just like the certain like feeling you miss as a kid. I didn't, I didn't realize like how badly I missed it until I got out there. Like, obviously like it was, I felt like I knew how happy baseball and happy pitching made me. But at the same time, like once I like actually struck a guy out and then was like, dang, like my arm's good. Like this is, this is something that hasn't happened in a really long time. So I was super happy. Um, I had a ton of adrenaline. Um, and then like, I just had to try and slow myself down and take what I could from it and learn from it. Cause at the end of the day, man, like I'm, I want to help the Mariners win a world series one day. Like that's the end goal. Sam Carlson, Mariners minor league pitcher with a very bright future is our guest here on the hot stove report. Sam, you referenced something that is, was like this mythical camp that I, I've heard Jerry reference, like just very briefly in passing and maybe Andy McKay as well, Mariners farm director, but this group of Mariners minor league guys in some remote forest in North Carolina with a baseball field carved out in it. Like what was this? Who was there? What were you guys doing? Yeah, there was uh there was a handful of guys. It was a group of um obviously there was the sixty man that was in Tacoma or that was in Seattle and then split into Tacoma and then like the alternate site and then like our big league team. But there was ten of us. I think roughly 10 of us, um, a couple guys, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how they picked, uh, who went, but a couple guys that came off in or com- were coming off injury. Mainly it was all pitchers, like three or four guys coming off Tommy John, including myself. Um, and then a couple guys who were just like, just great talents, but they just didn't have room for them on the 60 man roster. Just off the top of my head, like Connor Phillips, who we drafted this past year, Adam Mako, Logan Reinhardt, Levi Stout, Michael Lemoncelli. Those are just a couple of the names that were there with me. And it was, it was a lot of fun, man. We, we got to face hitters um, live once a week. And I think the biggest advantage that we got from it was when we're all separated and like back in our hometowns, like, I mean, the training, like you have to have a really good environment to be, especially when you're like in the middle of a pandemic, like they have one kid can't even leave his house because he lives in New York. And then the other kid lives in like the middle of nowhere and, I mean, Alabama and he has like a, a full like batting cage in his backyard. Like everyone has like such different living situations and we we're all stayed in a hotel. We all trained at the same place. And I mean, it was as close as we could get to being at a formal like Mariners like event, except we're in Burlington, North Carolina. So it, it was fun, man. My brother was out there at North Carolina. He was a freshman there. So I got to see him quite a bit. Um, he just moved into his campus when I was out or moved into his dorm when I was out there, but I don't know how many innings I threw, but I definitely, that was where I first kind of 
got back on the mound and gained the confidence that I needed going into the fall uh, developmental league um, in Arizona. So, so how are you feeling coming out of your fall? How do you feel right now? I feel great, man. Like I learned a lot this fall um, and I'm just excited for this coming season, man. I've been working, working like crazy to get back to where I was and just be able to do what I know I can on the field between the lines um, that I've been so eager to do over the last couple of years but I've been feeling great and the healthiest I've ever been. I'm extremely confident in myself. So I'm just excited. Well, Sam, uh, when I was uh, perusing some of your workout videos for motivation, um, I uh, felt very badly about myself and my <laughs> overall physique. We'll start with that. You did something. I don't know if this has been communicated to you uh, by the training staff down in Peoria, but you did something that from what I have been told only three other players to my knowledge have done. And that is jump and touch the banners hanging from the weight room at the complex in Peoria for folks who haven't seen, and probably the majority of people listening, there are uh, championship banners hanging from the very tall ceilings inside the the weight center at the, the Peoria sports complex where you guys train and, and have your clubhouse. There's a 2001 division title banner and from what I was told, Tom Murphy, D. Gordon, Taiwan Walker are the three etched in stone who have the vertical and the wingspan combined to jump up and touch us. You have done that. Was this told to you? Are you aware the short list of history that you're a part of? So I, I am aware of it. But it, from what I heard, it's uh, that list is short, mainly because I don't think – I think if you had everyone try it, um, if you like forced everyone in the organization to try it, there'd be a lot more names on this list, but I don't know. I was just sitting there one day and someone, someone was like, Hey, do you think you could touch that? And I went up and touched it. And then they're like, what the heck? And they, they kept trying. I can't forget who it was, but he couldn't, he couldn't touch it. And then, uh, uh, Aaron Rice, I think he was like telling me how Tom, Tom did it in spring training. I didn't know about D in Taiwan, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of cool. I don't know. I, I think if you made everyone try it, a couple more guys would get it because we do have some really, really, really athletic, uh, like just at, like athletes and pitchers, position players, everything in the org. But yeah, I mean, I played basketball in high school, so I like to, I like to remain athletic as a pitcher. If there's any way we could get a video of Aaron trying it <laughs> and being like four feet short, <laughs> that would be the greatest. Honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it, put it past Aaron. I mean, I don't know. I guess I haven't really seen Aaron jump, but um, it's not, we can solve that. We can solve that easily. <laughs> oh, what man. do you think? Is it, I mean, it's clearly over 10 feet tall, right? Uh, like yeah, 10 and a couple so. of inches. They, 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 they threw out some numbers, but I don't, I don't know what to believe, man. I couldn't, I couldn't give you like an actual, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I told you I knew a real number. Uh, I'm going to need, I'm going to need an official measurement once we get down to Peoria. The fact that Murphy, who is just like Russian deadlifter style <laughs> can get up there and touch it. I mean, he is just one gigantic muscle is impressive. He's, He's an animal. I, I think he has the highest vertical jump in the whole organization. Wow. That is amazing. And yet, based on what we've learned about Tom Murphy, it doesn't surprise me. We've got a few minutes left with Mariners minor league pitcher Sam Carlson. Sam, you've been in this really bizarre state as you, you took us through your journey where you've kind of been without 
teammates by and large over the course of your minor league career. You've had guys who are rehabbing at the same time that you are, and those guys can range in age and experience levels. So with that being said, uh, who's a guy or two since you've been a part of the organization in 2017 that you've really gelled with, clicked with, and started to lean upon? Oh, man. There's there's so many. I mean, the, first of all, the Mariners do an unbelievable job of, like, when they when they draft a player, they they're they're making sure that they like are good are good teammates and they are good people. So there's not many guys who come in where you you just you really don't get along with. But there is so many amazing dudes. But you are right in the fact that um, most of most of my close friendships within the org are through Tommy John um, and through that experience because I haven't been on a full season team. Um, and even though those guys, like I know them all and I've been around them a ton. Um, I haven't been in that, that clubhouse experience where you're striving to make the playoffs or something like that um, on a full season team. So, I mean, I, I could sit here and name names forever. There's, there's a ton of good dudes. I, I love them all. Sam, uh, I just looked up the weather in Savage, Minnesota, as we speak. It's warmer than I thought. It's 23 degrees from what, oh. what I'm being told here in Seattle. Which sure? I would have taken yeah. the end on that, wouldn't you? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that does not account for wind chill. Hey, this seems like a good time in Savage to be inside either uh, doing some baseball work or taking some online classes. You're taking college classes. You were uh, after Tommy John uh, surgery kind of put you on the shelf for a little bit. Tell us where you're taking the classes from and what you're studying. Yeah, so I'm taking uh, I've I've been taking online classes through Arizona State um, since I uh, had Tommy John surgery back in 2018 Um, and I'm studying uh, management through the business school management and uh, minor in entrepreneurship. So um, I've been digging away at those. It keeps me busy. Um, there's only so much baseball you can do in a day. And I mean, I'm certainly giving it my all in that, in that realm, but I was also an 18 year old kid who got drafted out of high school. So there's uh there's cognitive things I want to keep sharp too. <laughs> Well, that's very cool, man. You're, you're an impressive young man. You've already been through more in your career than what some guys have in a decade plus long career. So credit to you for keeping your chin up and putting yourself in such a good position now, mentally and physically. We cannot wait. Uh, I know you are even more excited, but we cannot wait to see you up on a mound when that day comes. And we're so appreciative of your time tonight. Thank you for joining us on the hot stove report. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me again, Gary and Aaron. I, it was fun. There is Mariners minor league pitcher Sam Carlson, who, my goodness, good to see him in person, good to hear his voice, and uh, we are excited to see him pitch once again. Well, baseball is just around the corner, and the best way to catch the action of the Mariners this season is with a 2021 Flex membership. It's the most flexible plan in the game, allowing you to attend the games you want, sit where you want, and spend what you want, all with no deposit required. For information on how you can become a Flex member, text 21 to 71532. More Hot Stove Report when we come back. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. It's great to have you on the Hot Stove Report tonight, Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill. Hey, this show's been around for a long time, but that doesn't mean we can't try new things. We're trying something new this week. We hope to bring to future shows. We want to hear from you. In fact, we want to hear your voice. Send us your recorded message. Just use your phone. Email it as an attachment. Mariner's Pod at Mariner's.com. 
Mariners Pod at Mariners.com. You can email us anytime. This week, we put a call to action out on social media to hear exactly that. And we got our first question for the show from the one and only Charlie Brown, who, as you might be able to tell, isn't exactly from around here. Hello, Charlie Brown here, calling all the way from London, England, with my question. We were all over the moon last year to get any sort of baseball, but one of the big sadnesses, of course, was not having any minor league play and all the fun of hearing about who's coming up through the system and looking like the stars of the future. Now, we all know about exciting lads like Jared, J-Rod and Emerson, but who would you say are the lesser-known names that we should look out for who have some real potential to break out this year? Cheers and all the best from us international fans in faraway time zones who can't wait to be cheering on our beloved M's at silly o'clock in the morning. Go Mariners! What can I say? What a perfect first question for the Hot Stove (laughs) Report. Charlie Brown, thank you for sending it in all the way from London. Uh, Gary, this is a great question. What's uh, a name that you've picked up on that's a little under the radar? It's a great question that's presented perfectly. I mean, that was, a, that was, that was everything about that was phenomenal. So the name that I keep hearing in conversations, I think in our first hot stove show, even Jerry brought him up, but it's a name I've heard four or five times now in different conversations, including from some of the prospect guys. Levi Stout is a name to keep in mind. In fact, earlier this show, Sam Carlson was talking about Levi being with him and they're throwing in North Carolina, but he is a prospect to watch. He was a third round draft pick by the Mariners. He was injured to start, which is why he's gone under the radar a little bit and he's been out and now back and healthy and people are raving about how good he is. So Levi Stout is a name to watch pitcher, really good stuff and seems to be a quick riser. So once we get into the minor league season, watch him. Okay, we've got some things in common with our two picks. You go with Levi Stout. I'm going to go with Adam Mako. Both guys, 2019 draftees, both showed big velo and just kind of overall stuff improvements during the hybrid fall instruct league down in Arizona. You're right. In, in Stout's case, Tommy John immediately after the draft, he's now healthy, looking great. Mako, meanwhile, a high school draft draftee, made some real velocity developments during the shutdown, has looked fantastic during the fall instructs. And most importantly, if Adam Mako makes the major leagues, he'll become the third Slovakian-born player to reach Major League Baseball. So that's reason enough to root for him. Who are the first two? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Funny you ask. Jack Quinn who had a phenomenal career from 1909 to 1933. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. How's that even possible? (laughs) He he played till he was 49 years old, uh, a 23-year major league career. And then uh, most most recently, Elmer Valo, who was born in Slovakia, uh, he played in the majors for 20 years and retired after the 1961 season. So, hey. Let's add Adam Mako to the list at some point. Yeah, and when you have a playing career that matches the average lifespan at the time, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, so we're pulling for both those guys. Both guys have uh, made some real jumps in a short period of time and have generated some buzz internally, even though you might not see them with a prospect status, at least not yet. When we come back, we wrap up the show. It's the Hot Stove Report. 
All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. A lot of fun once again right here on the Hot Stove Report. Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill. In the first hour, we had a chance to hear from Mariners infielder Ty France. Just to have that comfort of knowing, you know, this organization wants me and they want me in the lineup every day. You know, it's a, it's a huge boost for me. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to this challenge. No doubt Ty will be a big part of the Mariners in 2021 and moving forward. We always enjoy talking things over with Joel Furman, the Mariners director of analytics, who had high praise for Mariners minor league pitcher Logan Gilbert. One of the things that has really stood out to us since then is just his acumen and hunger to to get better at every component of pitching and something that I have just really admired about him, uh, particularly learning about, you know, where to where the most strategic places to to throw his pitches are and just really latching on to that concept, perhaps more than any, you know, pitcher we have in the organization. Hey, along the lines of great young pitchers, we finally had a chance to catch up with a guy that people always want to know what he's up to, and that is Sam Carlson. I learned a lot this fall, um, and I'm just excited for this coming season. Man, I've been working working like crazy to get back to where I was and just be able to do what I know I can on the field between the lines um, that I've been so eager to do over the last couple of years. But I've been feeling great and the healthiest I've ever been. I'm extremely confident in myself, so I'm just excited. Great to hear Sam's voice. Happy he is healthy and can finally get back on a competitive mound in this upcoming season. Jesse Smith is the Mariners' senior director of analytics, and he reminds us, do not forget about Luis Torrens. I think Torrens did a lot to impress our staff uh, when he showed up. And, uh, you know, we're just we're really excited to to see exactly where he goes because he's still, you know, what he was, he was playing 2020 at age 24. So there's there's still a lot of progression there. If you just want to say maybe remove a year in terms of like the reps he's had for someone his age, uh, there might even be more untapped upside. Well, our thanks to Ty France, to Sam Carlson, and also Joel Furman and Jesse Smith from inside the Mariners Analytics Department for joining us here on the Hot Stove Report tonight. Well, the Mariners can't wait to welcome you back to T-Mobile Park. Don't forget that you can create your own ballpark experience by selecting the games you want, the seats you want, and the number of tickets you want with a Mariners Flex membership, all for no deposit. For more information, text 21 to 71532. We're so glad you could be with us tonight on the Hot Stove Report. Gary, as always, for folks who maybe missed part of the show or simply want to hear something for a second or third time, where can they find it? Third time, that'd be great. Third or fourth time, it would be excellent. Mariners Pod, Mariners.com slash podcast. Follow it on Twitter, at Mariners Pod. It always, whenever one's released, you'll get the tweet. Mariners Pod is where to find the show. You will find it as soon as tomorrow morning. Yes. We're, we're so glad you could be with us tonight. For Gary Hill, I'm Aaron Goldsmith. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday at 7 o'clock.